Okay, well, good evening for those of you who are here and for those on Zoom. Um, I was going to start out by asking you all if you remember where we were going to be tonight, because I did announce that, and it would help if somebody could remember that. Anybody? Nobody? Most of the people didn't hear the announcements. Judy didn't hear it. Anyway, turn to First Thessalonians, and we'll look at chapter 1. That's my recollection. So before we read the passage, I'm going to give you some phrases, well-known phrases. Stop, look, listen. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Of the people, by the people, for the people. Past, present, future. And one of my favorites, snap, crackle, pop. So. You all may recognize that as a particular literary device uh, called what? Our English students probably would know that or somebody. Rule of threes? Yes. Okay. I'll take that as an affirmative answer. Yes. Something that's used often in uh, speeches and literature, whatever, to, uh, as basically the thought is that it helps people to remember things if there are three of them, even easier perhaps than if there's just two. Uh, and when you think about it from a, uh, scriptural standpoint or spiritual standpoint, it makes some sense. Uh, there are a lot of well-known spiritual concepts that are would be like a trio or follow the rule of three obviously the big one we would say is the trinity father son and holy spirit and uh we're also uh tripartite uh, in our persons we have body soul and spirit and so, uh, with that introduction, we're going to read the first chapter of the first letter of Paul to the church at Thessalonica. And we will see, um, at least a couple of these, uh, trios following the rule of three that if you look through Paul's letters and you're looking for them, you will see them quite a bit. And not only Paul, but also other writers as well. Uh, so let's read this chapter together and see if you can uh, pick out three of them as we read through it. And then I'm going to focus on... Uh, one of them in particular, yeah, yeah. in fact, one of the what one do you usually phrases in that. So Paul, Sylvanius, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, 
in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. You might recall last week our brother Junior led us in a bit of a study about affliction out of Psalm 119. And interestingly enough, he had three uh, mentions of that that he brought to our attention. And as an aside, that term is also mentioned three times in this epistle. So anyway, going back, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. The word also is tribulation, by the way, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Okay. I think probably you would have picked out the first one of these trios, rules of three that Paul mentions. And it starts out in verse three, all things, where he says, remembering without ceasing your, first of all, work of faith, and secondly, labor of love, and then thirdly, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of our God and Father. So the first trio there, Paul often uh, talks about that particular trio of faith, love, and hope in different uh, orders. And, of course, he emphasizes in passage in great love chapter in First uh, Corinthians 13 that the greatest of those is love. But then we come to another one that's uh, found in verse 5, I believe, where he talks about the gospel and he, uh, the gospel coming, the, the gospel, the word of the gospel coming and uh, in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. And then the third one, at least that I see in here, is found at the end of the chapter, verse 9 and 10, where he talks about how uh, those in the area surrounding Thessalonica and, and, and even says to the extent of in every place has testified of the faith of the Thessalonians and 
their work in the gospel says for themselves, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. And the first thing is, and how you turn to God from idols. And the second thing is to serve the living and true God. And the third thing, and to wait for his son from heaven. So as I thought about the first trio and the third trio in this chapter, I was thinking how uh, they match up and one is descriptive of the other. For instance, your work of faith was turning to God from idols. Their labor of love was to serve the living and true God. And of course, their patience of hope being to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So I wanted to focus on the one particular and to me a little bit peculiar phrase of the work of faith, the work of faith. Um, and a couple of uh, commentaries I looked at and looking at others' thoughts on this, uh, they pretty much go along the lines of it's their works that were, that came out of their faith. And no doubt that that's, uh, a, an acceptable, uh, rendering of that and interpretation of that particular phrase. But then that seems to be pretty much the same thing as their labor of love to me, because their labor of love then would be those things which come from their love, uh, you know, being, uh, constrained or compelled by the love of Christ to do things for him and for others. So work of faith. Now, we know without a doubt that we're not saved by our works, plural, that no matter how many good things we do, it does not uh, result in our salvation. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. No question about that. But the thought occurs to me, and uh, hopefully I'm not render, going off into the realms of heresy here. <laughs> I think it fits because I saw it fit with the idea that the Thessalonians, in uh, they were commended in this work of faith by turning to God from idols. And so uh, my thought for this evening essentially boils down to the idea that faith does require effort. And uh, it's not just that faith is somehow contrary to works, obviously. I mean, the idea that, you know, James has a different theology than Paul, obviously, is not correct. But that the pull of this world, the magnetic-like pull that this world has, another trio, of course, out there is the world, the flesh, and the devil, and all those have an aspect of idolatry to them. The pull of the world's idols, magnetic pull 
requires effort to turn from that to the living God. And I think about the aspect of we talk about growing in our faith. And the aspect of growing requires effort, obviously. Um, you have to eat and exercise and be doing things in order to physically grow. And if we are going to grow in our faith, it does require uh, not just our receiving that as a gift, which it is. Faith is a gift, no question. It's listed uh, as an aspect of, you know, it talks about the gift of faith that some are given in different measures, but our faith is to grow. It's going to require exercise of our faith. And so, uh, you know, and again, in comparing that to in a physical sense, you know, we have to exercise our faith muscles, so to speak, the same way we have to exercise our physical muscles lest they atrophy on us, lest we fall into weakness. And so um, I'm encouraged by this idea of the work of faith. I think uh, we should be uh, encouraging uh, one another uh, to continually uh, be exercising our faith, to working our faith. The idea of work, of course, the Greek word is uh, ergon, like ergonomics, the study of labor or work. And uh, it translates in strongs to things like your occupation or your endeavor. And so, uh, you know, think about that aspect, that we are all employed in an occupation. Of faith. We are all employed in the work of faith. Once we have made that, once the, you know, there's a once in a lifetime turning to God from idols, once and for all. But then there's that daily walk as we're sanctified once and for all. Then there's that also that, uh, uh, progressive type sanctification. And so we have to in some sense, uh, continually keep ourselves turning to God from the pull, uh, the magnetic-like pull of the things of this world, the things that so easily become idols. And as I thought about that, I think the biggest one that I have found in my life is self, the idol of self and uh so an aspect of turning from that item to the to uh the living god and the hymn writer has uh said oh to be saved from myself dear lord i gotta get this right here i wrote it down oh to be lost in thee oh that it no it oh that it might be no more I, but Christ that lives in me. And that is the result of our believing faith, that we have Christ living in us. Uh, 
So those are the thoughts concerning that particular phrase. Um, just one other thing, you'll, you'll find it just one other time that I could find. And it's in Second Thessalonians chapter one. So he does come back to that same thought with the Thessalonians.